Porcelain Travels, true stories of humorous and harrowing experiences in, on, and around toilets, tubs, and showers encountered on my travels, excerpted from the forthcoming book, which may or may not be of the same name, by me, Matthew Felix. Freshly Squeeged I may as well have come from the other side of the world. The flight from Paris to Copenhagen takes little more than an hour, but the flight was only one part of my journey. The trip to Charles de Gaulle seemed endless, the long walk to the metro, three different subway lines, an hour-long train ride, the chaos as I made my way to my terminal, and, once there, the unpleasant interaction with the smug Dane who brazenly cut in front of me and wasn't happy when I called him out in front of his two blonde-haired, blue-eyed children. Then, in the pre-boarding area, the passengers were informed our flight had been delayed. When we finally boarded, it turned out we'd missed our departure window. We wouldn't be going anywhere for at least another hour. By the time I arrived in Copenhagen, I was exhausted, and I felt as greasy as a fried fish. My friend, Axel, met me in the airport. He lived in a charming old building in the center of town. As soon as we walked up the stairs to his apartment and stepped inside, he handed me a towel and ushered me to the bathroom. I'm not sure who wanted me to shower more, me or him. I flipped on the bathroom light, closing the door behind me. I was surprised by how small the room was. It was more like a walk-in closet than a full-fledged room. I looked around. To my immediate left, a tiny sink. On the other side of it, a toilet. Along the wall to my right, a few shallow, sparse shelves. Something was missing. Something essential. Where was the shower? I looked around again, quickly reminded. There wasn't any place to look. Had I taken a wrong turn? Maybe the toilet was in one room and the shower in another. But there hadn't been any doors in the hallway other than those to the kitchen and bedroom. Besides, my friend had personally escorted me to the room in which I was now standing. I was where I was supposed to be. Would the shower be joining me? Maybe it, too, had troubles at the airport? A delayed flight? A disagreement with a rude Dane that had escalated into a full-on brawl, as opposed to my mere little tiff? I looked around yet again, a little more closely. A few toiletries sat on the shelves. A navy blue towel hung on the back of the door. I again scanned the room, convinced I was missing something glaringly obvious. I was. Literally under my nose. We see what we want to see. We overlook what we don't expect. What I hadn't expected was the shower head to be lying on the back of the airplane bathroom-sized sink. Yet there it was, oblivious to my conundrum. Or perhaps instead, it was resting quietly like some woodland creature hoping to go unnoticed, deliberately frozen in place and refraining from making even the slightest sound that might alert me to its presence. Like most European shower heads, this one was connected to a flexible metal hose. The hose was connected to the faucet over the sink. Having found the shower head, I was halfway there. But where was I supposed to use it? Inspecting my surroundings, I searched for a sign. On the walls, the shelves, the back of the door. It wasn't until I glanced at my feet that I stumbled upon two clues. A drain in the middle of the floor, and a squeegee under the sink. Aha! The possibility hadn't even occurred to me. Now I got it. 
I was already in the shower. I laughed, happy to have solved the mystery and eager to get down to business. There were only a few inches between the toilet and the walls boxing it in, leaving no place to bathe. The only option, then, was the horribly confined area behind the door, between the sink and the shelves. In other words, where I was already standing. There was a shower curtain that could be, although it wasn't clear if it was supposed to be, when I asked him later, my friend didn't know either, pulled closed to divide the room in half. Ordinarily, that might have been a great idea. Given the circumstances, I failed to see how further limiting my movement could possibly be advantageous. I tried closing the curtain, only to confirm my suspicions. I couldn't move, not without coming into repeated contact with the dingy fabric. The curtain had clearly been in the apartment longer than my friend, and it hadn't aged nearly as well. I stuffed it back into the tight space between the wall and the shelves, the mildew spreading upward from its edges, no doubt relieved to return to the darkness. I turned on the water and at long last made my first attempt to shower. It met with mixed success. Try and try as I might, I still could not figure out where to stand, and I had no idea what to do with the shower head. I couldn't put it back on the sink while the water was running. The water would have gotten everywhere. But I couldn't turn the faucet off either. Achieving the right water temperature had proved such a tricky balancing act, I was reluctant to have to start over. Holding the shower head was no less problematic, since producing a soapy lather is impossible with just one hand. Seeing no other option, I resigned myself to letting the water run, while I pinned the shower head under my foot. What I hadn't anticipated was how much the shower head would writhe around on the floor. Like an incensed serpent, it flailed about, dousing everything in the room with its errant spray. So much for worrying about getting water everywhere. Watching water drip from the sides of the toilet, it occurred to me that my friend never had to go to the trouble of washing it. It also occurred to me that were I so inclined, I could simultaneously shower and use the toilet. I was hard-pressed, however, to imagine under what circumstances I might find myself so inclined. Fatigue from my travel setting in, I finished my first shower in Copenhagen. It hadn't been easy, but I had pulled it off. A little perseverance goes a long way. After cracking the bathroom door to let out some steam, I dried myself off and squeegeed the floor, pushing the water down the drain. I then directed my attention to my teeth. Putting toothpaste on my toothbrush, I turned the water on again. As I leaned toward the sink, I had to stop mid-stoop. I wasn't sure if the sink was too small or the faucet too long, but what was certain was that they were horribly mismatched. The faucet extended so far from its base that it almost touched the edge of the basin. Moistening my toothbrush without leaving globs of toothpaste on the faucet or sink required a surgeon's calm precision. Washing my hands would be nearly impossible. Weren't the Danes known for design? I recalled that the Copenhagen store in San Francisco had met its demise many years earlier. Returning my attention to the task at hand, I managed to get enough water onto my toothbrush to brush my teeth. Once I was done, I nonchalantly spit out a day's worth of bacterial buildup, just as I had countless times before. I flinched. Out of nowhere, I felt like a bird had shat on my feet. I looked down. The sink was so small, I had missed the mark. Less than half of the toothpaste had fallen into the tiny porcelain bowl. 
the rest either landing on my bare feet or splattering all over the freshly squeegeed floor. Damn it. I rushed to wipe off the minty fresh droppings before they whitened my skin and gave the floor another squeege. Then I got out my dental floss. My pre-departure visit to the dentist had been a bloody mess, full of dire warnings about the debilitating consequences of a mouth blighted by gingivitis. The fact that I had no cavities meant nothing. On the contrary, I was told my saliva had an exceptionally high mineral content, which meant I had to be even more vigilant than most about dental hygiene, and schedule another visit in six months, as opposed to my normal 12, and buy an electric toothbrush, which they had on sale in the office. No pressure. A little unseen spool spun briefly, and I snapped off a strand. I didn't have much history working with dental floss. As a result, a mirror was indispensable for navigating the cavernous world enveloping my yellowed teeth and bleeding gums. Having wrapped one end of the floss around my right index finger and the other around my left, I looked up, expecting to find a stunningly handsome face reflected back at me. Instead, I found a polished piece of metal. It hung inches from my face, deceptively positioned where a mirror should have been, as though doing its best to fill the role. And, in all fairness, in the stainless steel medicine cabinet door, I was, in fact, able to discern a vague, distorted version of myself trapped in some distant, out-of-reach reality. Distracted by my beguiling search for the shower, I had failed to notice that the bathroom also lacked a mirror. How did the Danes all look so good? On the other hand, perhaps sparing themselves the daily horror of puffy faces, baggy eyes, and unsightly blemishes burst to the surface overnight accounted, at least in part, for why they were the happiest people in the world. Maybe we all needed to get rid of our mirrors. Whatever the case, I had just been given a perfect excuse not to floss. I wadded up the unsullied string, ready to be rid of it in a single self-satisfied toss. But looking around, I could not find a trash can. There wasn't one of those either. I'd have to take the dental floss with me and throw it away in the kitchen. When at long last I prepared to leave the bathroom behind, I realized there was one more thing I needed to do. I needed to pee. Stepping over to the toilet, I raised the lid. With a loud splash, a small tsunami cascaded to the floor, soaking my feet. A pool of water had collected on the toilet seat during my shower. Since it was transparent, I hadn't noticed it, until it was all over me and the floor. I got the squeegee back out, and wiped down the bathroom floor a third time. I wish I could say I learned my lesson, that like putting a hand onto a hot burner, I didn't need to learn it a second time. Sadly, that would not be an honest retelling of the facts. The first tsunami proved to be just one of many, each leaving me more frustrated than the last. For whatever reason, I could not get it into my head to check for water on the toilet seat after every shower. I'd also like to be able to say that I quickly adapted to the peculiarities of the bathroom in Copenhagen. Apart from my discovery of an overlooked place to rest the shower head, one that had eluded my friend, I might add, I can't say I ever really did. If those peculiarities had left me in any way unappreciative, that all changed when I learned that even today, individual apartments in many of Copenhagen's historic buildings don't have showers at all. Bathing facilities are often still communal, even an updated residence with every other modern amenity. Imagine my surprise when I discovered that the minuscule, idiosyncratic bathroom with which I'd been making do all week 
also turned out to be a relatively uncommon luxury.